Welcome to the Consummate Athlete Podcast, where we explore what it means to be a well-rounded, happy, goal-crushing athlete. Every week, myself, sports journalist Molly Herford, and cycling coach and kinesiologist Peter Glassford interview experts and chat through all of your training questions. We're excited to have you along for the ride. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. Peter, how's it going? It's good. We have returned home to Collingwood. DW and I are very excited to be out of a damp van. Are you excited to be out of a damp van? I could not be more excited. I mean, look, I love the I love the van travel and everything, but there is just something about getting home and unpacking that is just so relaxing to me. It's just so nice. Well, I think van life's a lot like bike racing. It uh, It's a lot easier and smoother and less total time if it doesn't rain. Yes, and we have, I think we might be bringing the rain with us places at this point. We're making it rain. Yeah, making it rain, but not in a good way. So QSE Quebec single track was a fantastic race. We talked about that a bit last week. We had Leah Davison on the podcast from our live at QSE episode. Uh, so that was awesome. So much rain. And then Nova Scotia, gorgeous, such a cool province. I'd never been out to any of the Maritimes. Peter had never been to Nova Scotia. We got to catch up with old friends. Uh, DW got to make a friend. We got to see some new trails that our friends like were responsible for building and doing all of the work that went into that. And that was fantastic. Uh, and everything was great. And then on race, uh, the night before the race, uh, this was in Mountain Bike National Championships for Canada. It poured and i don't just mean like 15 minutes if you've been following any canadian weather news you know nova scotia was basically underwater it's just horrific flooding dams bursting emergent state of emergency as we were driving to the race we weren't positive it was going to be happening uh there were emergency rescue like helicopters flying overhead like emergency vehicles on the road and we're like is this is this happening and you actually have said that that was the hardest part of your race so Peter did win Masters Nationals. He is the Masters National Champion for 35 to 44. So congratulations, Peter. And uh, yeah, let's let's talk about that. The, the, like, pre- the morning of feeling of like, oh crap, am I racing? Yeah, we just got off our uh, AMA or Ask Me Anything sort of meetup we do with coaching clients once a month. Uh, and yeah, they were asking, you know, what was it like and the hardest part? And so similar questions that you just asked. And I think the, you know, the race, the Masters 35 to 44, it's not, you know, everyone's a great bike rider, but it, it's not, uh, it wasn't a super deep field this year. Uh, it has been in the past, had a few people, but it's a lot of travel. So I always say I'm very good at getting second. And so anything can happen, but I was able to win. Uh, and, and it's always hard and I try and go as hard as I can and stay away from all the other masters and try and, you know, catch as many people as I can. So that part was bike racing. I wouldn't say it was like super hard, but definitely the, the most challenging part of the day for me was trying to stay in, you know, that pre-race routine of eating and focusing and getting ready for the effort ahead, warming up with all this other stuff. It's easy to, you know, listen to the news and watch the reports and our phones were going off with all this stuff. And, and I, you sort of, I sort of just had to say to my, I said it to you, I think out loud, you know, that's not our decision to make. Like if the race organizers cancel the race, then we can't start. But if they go ahead with it, then they've obviously checked that stuff. And so it's easy to like try and manage the disaster, you know, by watching the news and checking the reports and watching the radar and all this stuff. But at the end of the day, you know, your role in this whole thing is just bike riding, right? At least until it, <laughs> it changes and someone tells you to start bailing something out or something like that, I guess. Uh, so yeah, so that was that was the hardest part. So it was really just a lot of you know focus, refocus, 
No, I think that's really good advice, especially because, I mean, you know, we've had so many different natural disasters this season. And I mean, pandemics, all that stuff has just been wreaking havoc on racing in the last few years. So I think it is like it's hard to have the attitude of like, OK, I'm going to put my blinders on and just assume that the start line's happening. But I do think that's that's the healthiest decision, because otherwise you're just yeah, sitting on social media or sitting on the weather app, just refreshing, refreshing. And I think this is just race if you're going to race, right? Like it, this could be a, you know, something something always happens at home when you're away at the race or whatever. Right. And, and this, this stuff's important. At some point, you have to get on a plane and fly back home before the race to take care of, you know, something that happens. Uh, but a lot of times it's, you know, you need to like put it on the back burner, do the thing you're there for, and then deal with that, whatever the other thing is. And, and often, again, sometimes it's very serious and that sucks, but often it's not as big a deal as we thought. Like, you know, it's, it's a big deal for Halifax and I'm not underplaying that, but you know, for the area the race was in it, it wasn't a disaster. Right. So, um, yeah, and, and there's literally nothing we could do. Me watching CBC News is not going to, you know, <laughs> improve anything. Well, it gets to the controlling the controllables. And I think, like, a family emergency where flying home is the thing you have to do is a very different thing Other like versus, like, is the race going to be canceled because of smoke? Like, there's just nothing you can do about if the race is going to be canceled mm. because of smoke. Mm. Looking at the weather channel is not going to help. But if there is a thing at home that you need to deal with, like, dealing with it is is... is different mm. than that and one step at a time and i've been guilty you know in a similar is like and you joke about this sometimes when we're away is you know you're thinking about two steps ahead you know oh how are we what route are we going to take home like the if they say the dam's out how are we going to so you, you know we could be if we had more time to kill this race was very early in the day luckily but if we had to kill the whole morning we you know you might have sat there map questing out your uh route home that's right we still use map quest <laughs> uh versus just doing the race and then probably they've figured out a detour and put up signs for you you know if that's what has to happen uh, well i caught myself uh, on the way to the race i was tr like i was biting my tongue because i was about to be like oh we should uh, you know we should plan to head home tomorrow because we didn't really have like a firm when we were gonna start the drive kind of thing and it was taking so much energy on my part to just like keep my trap shut and not be putting into your head like the next thing because my brain is already moving on to the next because mm -hmm. i wasn't racing um, yeah and i mean when you're looking for things that like bike racing or, or competition teaches you i think that's probably a good thing sometimes you just need to go to work or do the surgery or do the presentation or you know be present at work or present with your kids while you're dealing with something at work or whatever right you sort of have to it's that what is the next step right which is the other mantra i really like mm-hmm Cool. All right. Well, again, yay. I'm excited. This is your first national championship. So yeah, very... I think so. Yeah, I think I it's think exciting. It's, I think it's good. I think it's I cried a little when you were on the podium. Sure. So anyway, though, uh, before we get into today's episode, which is all about kind of in ride and around ride nutrition, we are going to talk about today's sponsor, which is AG1. So you might know it as at the supplement formerly known as Athletic Greens. This That's... is They've, they've fully embraced the they've AG1. They've fully embraced, yeah. embraced AG1, yeah. So this is what we've been taking for well over a year now. It's one of my all-time favorite supplements. Uh, it's certified for sports, so it's been third-party tested, which makes me very happy, very confident. And it's sort of just your one-stop shop for your everyday supplement. It's all of your vitamins, minerals, um, probiotics, prebiotics, adaptogens, of course, greens, just all of the good stuff all in one. So it's super simple, and I think it tastes great. Um, and it's just so, so nice to have on the go. We have the travel packs out in the van. Um, and it's just nice to be able to mix that up in the morning, especially on days 
<clears throat> when we're in the car for, you know, 14 hours. That's right. Yeah. Any of my clients that are traveling a lot and, you know, aren't, you know, th- their first priority, you know, the elites, they, they'll they figure out the good meals and they'll get that. And, you know, that's their one of their main priorities, right? They don't have to cover a lot of this other stuff. They're not traveling with kids usually or something like that. Um, so those clients, it's great for. And then also the ones who are just edging into, you know, healthier living and, uh, you know, some of this behavior change. It is sometimes it's this, you know, easy in the morning, glass of water, you know, get your AG1. Uh, it can be a, a great start to those habits, right? And start building things where it was a regular exercise routine as well that sort of comes off of that. Exactly. And to make it easy, AG1 is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs, perfect for the next trip with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit drinkag1.com backslash Molly H. Again, that is drinkag1.com backslash Molly H to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Okay, ride nutrition. So I'm, so, glad, I'm glad we're doing this because we just did like a motivation one, two or th- no, four episodes ago. So in the no, last motivation was two episodes ago. Altitude was the episode before that. We had the Leah Davidson, or was that that was our last one? Yeah, that okay. was our last. Okay, in the anyway. last in the last month, this is June. June, July, July of 2023, we did a, you know, mid-season motivation slump. I think you like the plummeting motivation or something like that. Uh, And I don't know that we spend enough time on just the like fueling part of that, that that can be like a big piece that you don't see it tomorrow, but you might see it in two weeks or two months or two years. We touched on it very briefly when we talked about motivation. We said that's one of the things you can check as far as the physical things Mm -hmm. that could be causing decreased motivation. But we didn't spend a lot of time on it. And we noticed at QSE when we did a couple different evening panels, a lot of the questions we were getting were very basic ride nutrition stuff. So it's very easy to get into the weeds with the experts we have on and sort of assume that people kind of know the the fundamentals of ride nutrition. But I think it's always whether you've been riding for a long time or you're new, I think it's good to just kind of go over the, the basics of where we're at now, what we know, and just sort of best practices. Right. So where do you want to start? Well, I mean, I wish in a lot of Q&As that I would start, if someone asked at QSC, not the recorded one we did with Leah, but the other uh, Q&A we did, someone asked, you know, can you describe the a day of eating, you know, the entire day? And I was like, whoa, that's a broad question. And I wish I had answered it more, you know, whatever you're doing, like you're here, you're exercising, you're, you're riding your bike, you're obviously, you know, if you're at a stage race, you're doing okay. Uh, so you're probably doing okay. And so it's really just little tweaks that you might make. And, and I think the in-ride fueling and, and maybe we'd group the pre-ride fueling in with that, maybe group the post-ride fueling too, I guess, but around the workout, including the workout is probably a big focus for a lot of people because we do have this tendency not to do enough of the fueling usually, um, I guess there's cases where people will do too much as well, but more common is the not doing it just because you don't know or you're time rushed or the rides, you know, you, you've suddenly started trying to increase the amount you're riding or the intensity you're riding with and you haven't increased the fueling you're doing during the ride, right? You always bring one bar and you're riding for four hours and, you know, you have one bar. So that's I, I think that's where I'd probably start with with people who are generally performing well is that they're probably doing pretty well during their day. Um, and then looking closer at that in ride fueling. So I think it's, it's good that I guess that we're talking about that today. Yeah. So do you want to start with just the, the quick pre-ride kind of thing? 
Sure. And again, this is where there's a big range that that people will do. But I guess general rule of thumb is that you're going to have either a meal or a snack and maybe the, you know, from right at the beginning of the ride, just before you go out the door, somewhere out to maybe three to four hours, you'll see people do the pre-workout meal. So that for a lot of us adults, working adults, that might just be breakfast or lunch or dinner in some cases. Uh, that's a few hours out. And, and what you're thinking with that as far as fundamentals is if it's four hours out, it can be a little bigger meal. If it's right before you're thinking, I, I call it gel on the line. So a, a sport gel or like a banana or a small bowl of cereal or half a peanut butter and jam sandwich. So the total calorie load, the meal size is lower the closer you get to the workout because you need to digest it quickly. Um, and that's sort of just rule of thumb. So Again, you'll see people do like maybe an hour out, they'll do like a cliff bar or a whole sandwich or a little bowl of cereal or um, what else? Like, what would you do? Like, you might have like a. I'll do like a piece of toast or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. You'll see people sip if, uh, you know, the other variable people will have. Some people can eat like a steak and then go out and do their workout. Some people have very sensitive tummies. So you might see them doing like more of a sports drink, especially if it's going to be a workout. They might sip at like a sports drink or some juice or something in the hour before. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so that's keeping that very, very simple. I guess the only other variable, you know, the gel on the line strategy and the sipping the sports drink, this is probably more intensity, if not race pre-nutrition. You probably more often will see people do that two to say two to four, two to three hours is probably more common. Like I think if you're getting out past three hours, it's probably getting, you're probably going to need a snack to. Yeah, I mean, I'd say the general rule of thumb is like not starting a training ride or run hungry. Like. So if you're feeling hungry, if your stomach is growling, you probably need to have that quick little snack before you go out the door. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're just starting from a bad place. Sure. And, and, and again, this is sometimes where it's like you want to work with someone because if, if you've experienced that, how did the workout go? Noted in your notes, like I, I didn't have a meal. You know, I, I ate my breakfast at 7 a.m. and then I trained at noon, five hours later. I didn't eat anything on the ride. How did the ride go? Um, and then if you notice, you know, and you're keeping those notes, then the idea is that then you might see that like the day after you, your workouts suck or you don't actually even ride. Like I've seen that with clients where their motivation and, and suddenly they're too busy to ride the next day. But is it because they underfueled the day prior? Uh, you know, is that, is that the situation? You'll also see like underperformance where, you know, they're doing threshold intervals. They haven't eaten since seven, five hour difference. They didn't eat during the ride. It's only an hour ride. But the, there's, you know, they're, they're depleted from that five hours. They've already started eating into that fuel from breakfast. And then you'll see, you know, they're not making progress in the threshold intervals or the whatever intervals they're doing. And now you've talked about this, though. If you don't have time, if you're very time crunched and everything's very tight, you can take the, the cliff bar or the granola bar or, you know, the piece of toast and get on the bike and start riding. And sure. Like eat that if you're if you're feeling hungry and so like, we, we often eat around like 6 6 30 um and then especially as life gets busier and stuff like I, i'm very lucky i get to often go out for sort of like that call it a lunch ride but it's usually like sort of 10 10 30 in my ideal world but often you know it starts creeping 10 30 11 you know and then i'm out a little later and so, yeah, those days I'll either have, you know, like you say, something like a little tiny snack before I go, or you bring an extra bar and you just have a bar in the first 15 minutes as you're warming up. And, and that's okay too, right? Or, and or sports drink and or, you know, you're just fueling from minute one. Whereas if you have breakfast and ride, you know, you go in on the group ride, you know, you eat at seven, you're out on the group ride at eight on the weekend, you probably don't need to eat in the first hour or so. 
because you have all this fuel there, right? Like, like that makes sense. So then you're bringing the fuel. If you're doing a four hour ride, you maybe have three bars or something like that, right? Right. Okay. So we're on the bike now. Let's maybe just quickly wrap about the fact that drinking and eating on the bike, whether we're talking mountain bike or road bike, is a skill. And it is something that not a lot of people think about or practice. Um, and I think that comes back and bites you, especially in like a group ride situation where you you know, can't stop to eat. And we've coached many junior camps where even these really high level athletes, the younger ones, they literally like can't get their bars out of their pockets or they can't reach down and grab their bottles. So they're only eating and drinking when we've stopped. So you're adding time to your ride, you're wasting time on your ride and you're kind of wrecking your ride. To and, be honest. and you'll never be able to post up. One of our clients is going to be the, I swear the, the poster for next year for the Quebec single track experience is going to, she's going to be on it because she took both arms off and sort of posted up at the finish line. She put her arms up at the finish line. Um, and so it's important. I think if you, you got to be prepared, right? Prepared to roll across that finish line. Yeah. And I think this is one of those things that trainers have really killed, I'm going to say, is the skill of eating and drinking on the bike because most people have a table next to them where they have their water bottles and their food. But if you're never practicing reaching in that back pocket, you're losing a lot of like the mobility to do that. And it's so. actually like pretty hard. If you've ever had rotator cuff or collarbone or anything mm -hmm. like that, it might be really difficult to get that food out of your back pocket. Um, and yeah. same with the, you know, your bottle on the bike, think about what it takes to, you know, reach down, grab the bottle, pull it out, take a drink, put it back while not taking your eyes off the road. And that's a skill you can totally practice on the trainer if you're just thinking about it and putting the bottle in the bike. But if you're just putting it on the table next year, you're net, you're missing so many reps. Yeah. I would agree with that. The mobility is important as cyclists, you know, and adults working on computers and, and phones, you know, our arms don't go over our head. Our arms don't go behind us. Uh, we're, you know, we don't like bending over too much, you know, where our thighs are coming close to our belly. So that uh, hip flexion, uh, we don't do a lot of that. Right. And, and this is mobility problems where we end up with injuries probably, you know, when we fall off our bike or, or something like that. Right. So I, I think it's, if you can increase the mobility challenges on your ride, I think that's a good thing. So certainly those pockets are, are a great thing to use on your bike. You know, I know some people like those top tube bags or the bento boxes they're t called. I think in a, a race situation, you know, a lot of people do use those at something like an unbound gravel. And so that's, you know, context of the game. There's a lot of snacks and stuff to be had. Uh, but I think it's, it's worth, yeah, using your pockets for sure. And, and as you say, the hands coming off, especially both hands so that you can rest your back, sit up. It's, it's, it's a nice thing to be able to do. Yeah. And I also think even from a digestion standpoint, this is really important because I think if you're not able to steadily eat and drink, you end up with these big moments of like you stopped. So you chug your bottle, you pound two gels. Right. Um, and that's going to sit really differently in your stomach than if you had been, you know, ingesting that over the course of an hour. Uh, so if you do have like gut issues to begin with, like if you're, you know, someone with IBS or just, you know, cramp, stomach cramping, that kind of thing, uh, I do think that's actually a big part of it is just how, not just what you're eating, but how fast you're eating it and like in what quantity are you eating it. And so we use the rule something every hour. If you're someone who's not fueling currently or you're very new to cycling, uh, we say something every hour. If your ride's under an hour, you're on the trainer for an hour. Most of us, that's sort of the round hour of exercise we get in the day. You probably don't need to eat on the trainer. Again, if you're just getting out of bed and you haven't eaten in a while, you're allowed to eat in your hour ride, especially if it's intense. 
Um, you know, if you've been working all day, you didn't eat, you need to get on the trainer, you, you're allowed to eat, right? But as it starts going past that, you know, certainly past that 90 minutes, you're getting to two hours, then this is where we're expecting, did you eat two things? Often the things you're going to eat are going to be in that, say, 100 to 200 calories. A bars are often, you know, 100 or 200 calories. Gels are 100 calories. Um, we could certainly do this by grams of carbohydrate where we're looking at, what is that, 25 to 50 grams of carbohydrate. And for the more performance-oriented people, you'll see them now. You said it to me the other day. You think the 120 is the new 90 for grams of carbohydrate. 100% it is, yeah. So your Ironman athlete are usually the the people really putting in the most amount of food, especially on the bike and, and they're pushing up into that 120 grams. And I know I've seen our friend Alexi Vermeulen talking about, you know, 90 to 120 grams of carbohydrate in that, that bottle. So but remembering this is years of gut training. That's like leading to this and right. experimentation. And that's, you know, it's important to note that, you know, you might find sometimes I'll see people, Oh, I can't fuel. I feel sick. And it's okay. But start with scratch, you know, their normal hydration mix is, you know, maybe 40 calories or something for the bottle. And that's where you start. And then maybe you add a little bit more, you know, and then you build up, maybe you're using their super carb mix and you can use one scoop of that is I think a hundred calories. If I remember right, most, most carbohydrate drinks are one scoop is a hundred calories about, and then you can add a bit more and a bit more and a bit more, especially if you're training towards a race like unbound or Leadville, you know, this is the name of the game. Like until you vomit, basically the better it's going to go. And this is also the taking notes thing. So this is where the comment section of your post-workout can be really helpful. Like, what did you eat? How did you feel? Mm -hmm. You know, and that way you can kind of look back and see in the context of this workout, I had this, it felt like too much. Okay. I guess interesting I dial that down. at this nationals race I did on the weekend that I happened to win. So usually I would do gels and in a race like that, you know, it was a shorter race. I think I won in an hour nine uh, masters racing. It tends to be shorter. Uh, in something like that, I'd maybe do like a gel or two gels, but I did. So including a bit in the warm up, the bottle I had had 300 calories. So in the first half of the race, the 300 came in and I think I had three gels. So I didn't have a gel on the first slot, but going out on the second, third, and I think even the fourth. Um, yeah. So a lot more. So I did 600 calories, I think. In, you know, including those. So say that's over maybe 90 minutes to two hours because the warm up I would have had a little bit uh, before the race. Well, and it's funny, you even said this the other day because you were trying to get used to the tailwind, kind of knowing QSE and knowing mm -hmm. nationals were coming up and you wanted to like try using it and try to get the more calories going. Uh, so that's calories in your bottle. And I really, I've always liked tailwind. They have an unflavored um, thing and it's a hundred calories a scoop. And I've just always really enjoyed it, not sponsored. They really should because I feel like I've turned so many, especially cyclists, onto it because normally it's more of a runner kind of fuel. Mm -hmm. um, but anyway, uh, you started drinking it just on rides and you, you were coming home going like, wow, turns out I feel so much better with an extra 300 calories. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, you still learn these lessons, even though you know, you know the stuff and whatever, right? But yeah, it makes me wonder, you know, when I was 19, you know, to, to whatever, how long did I race? Which I think is actually a really good point where it's even if you're listening to this thinking like, oh, I only need like 50 calories an hour, I don't really need fuel. And this is me like 100%. I'm one of the people that'll be like, I can do a marathon with no water, and it's totally fine. Mm -hmm. Turns out, Yes, you can, and maybe you're even pretty good, but are you going to be much better if you're eating and drinking enough? Mm -hmm. and, and there's nuance there. 
I think for our masters and, you know, anyone, you know, the pushback is always going to be, I don't want to gain weight. And that's, you know, I, I get it for sure. And it maybe you don't, I'm pretty adverse. I want to keep my teeth. So I don't really like sugar powders a lot. Uh, but so this is sort of a performance orientation, but the pushback I usually give people is a, hey, just try it for like a little bit more. Cause we're usually talking about zero or, or something. Uh, again, these people are often on the, like not doing anything versus something every hour. Yeah. We're definitely not saying go from zero to 500 calories. And an for hour. a lot of folks, this can be your peanut butter and jam sandwich, or, you know, you'll bring like cookies or whatever, right? Whatever you think. I, I think even to start, if it has to be like a quote unquote healthy, like date paste or something, if that, if you feel better about that, but the feed zone cookbook from scratch labs has fantastic right. rice they're, bars. They're if you're more bars. of a savory person, they even have like savory rice bars that are like r- white rice with egg and some bacon and some soy sauce. And I think Nigel's book, right? Yes. Nigel Mitchell um, has the cycling cookbook or something. Cyc- cyclist chef? cookbook, cycling chef. Okay. Cyclist we'll, chef. we'll link we'll, to the episode with him. It was a great episode. Yes. Um, super interesting. Um, and he talked a bit about the big bottles, like super calorie bottles that he makes. Mm-hmm. Uh, as well like not just the scratch superfood but he makes his own bottles that are you know very high calorie that you would run the bottle but then have clear water in your pack or something right right uh so great episode to review there's another one that, while we're on the topic of podcasts we had someone else the athlete's gut do you recall uh patrick wilson um and he what i really took away from that episode for those with the sensitive tummies is you need to chew so if you're oh, solids yeah. Not just like this is important during your meals, which is another lesson. I'm a fast eater during the day. And so you need to pay attention to your meal, you know, ideally not on your phones and screens, chew your food a lot. But this is also important when you're riding. If you're having a cliff bar and you just swallow half a cliff bar, that's in your gut. And then it's not surprising if your gut, you know, throws a bunch of stomach acid at it or something to try and digest a whole cliff bar versus if you really chew it up. Right? It is a little disgusting and I apologize, but. Again, it's sometimes we think so much about uh, carbs and, you know, calories, but it's like, are you eating slowly? (laughs) And if you're one of the people that really struggles with doing that, and I would say that's me, like I would have a really hard time chewing enough. And this is, I'd say if you're a newer cyclist and you feel like you're working pretty hard every time you ride, you know what? It might just be really hard to chew a cliff bar. Like they are chewy, they are dry. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know what? Maybe, maybe if you still want to stick to whole foods, a rice, like a rice bar that you make yourself with actual like white rice that you've cooked, or like a fig Newton, just something that has a little bit more liquid to it, mm-hmm. or just go with the try the sports drink, try the gel. Uh, might be a better better use of uh, yeah. Like I don't I don't really eat many solids when I'm on the run for that reason largely. Mm-hmm. And so we want to fuel. That's the idea, right? And so we want to eat, TLDR, ease yeah. into that. And, and again, I think I do see that limiter, you know, my master's men, they will often get caught in that mid 200s threshold. And how do you do more? <laughs> you eat more, right? At some point that mechanical work that has to get done to do the high 200s and into the 300s and, you know, maybe you'll even get to uh, 400s really high threshold, but uh, you know, it takes a lot of calories. Well, and to that point, uh, you know, if you're concerned about the weight loss, I think the way to like kind of trick yourself or look at this, uh, you know, with that in mind is if you're eating more and you're capable of pushing more Watts and doing more work, you're also expending more energy. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're really not like coming out with like a net cal- caloric gain. You're actually like 
basically fueling the fire and you're able to do more work as a result. So mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of people that actually like if, if weight loss is your goal and you know, you're going from eating nothing on the bike to eating something. I think there are a lot of people that actually see better weight loss results while like when they appropriately fuel the ride uh, versus when they're, you know, going into rides fasted and going into rides, just starving and doing like three hours of endurance with no food. Uh, and that's what uh, actually in my book, fuel your ride, which came out way back in like 2016. Uh, I remember that's what my uh, expert on it, uh, Nancy Guest said. Mm-hmm. And, and we know now with Red S, we have a couple episodes around Red S. Um, so many episodes we can link to here. With Alex Coates, is our two big episodes there, right? And Yes, and we just had Tracy Carson oh, on talking yes, about it as well. Oh, also really good, yeah. And so we know that this stuff, if you underfuel, you might do it, and you might do it for a while. This is where I said, you know, in two weeks or two months or two years, that's where we might see some of these consequences and that's the tricky thing is you might not always know a hundred percent um the the hints are there i think with the you know how many days of the week do you feel poor in your workouts are you making good progress in your 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 intervals Uh, are you motivated how's your mood how's your sleep and i think if you're someone who's doing okay but you're you know not able to get to sleep uh, especially after you know hard stuff sometimes after like a really hot hard race that's not abnormal if you're just super amped you know if after nationals you couldn't get to sleep because you were super amped maybe you had a couple beers afterwards to celebrate that's that's not abnormal but i think if every week you do your intervals on tuesday and it's hard to get back and then sunday you do the long ride and you're just or every night these are good like those are like those are telling you that this is the <laughs> this is the thing uh, to work on. And I, I always push back too with the red S is that there's also the option. So say we are weight loss is the goal. This is where we have to be careful. Dr. Bubs, another episode with Dr. Bubs uh, a while ago, he, he said, you know, you have to be very clear about the goal. Uh, I guess this is also a Dan John thing, but is this a performance goal or is this a weight loss goal? And that's where it's different because if it was a weight loss goal, you could probably just not do so much cardio and then you probably wouldn't have to fuel the cardio right but this is where it gets tricky like what is what are we actually trying to do here right 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 you'd probably increase your strength training increase your walking really focus on the diet tighten that up um and that's we don't often talk towards weight loss but that would be the way you would probably go with that if that is the actual goal um if your goal is to just perform well and it's you know one or two pounds then we do believe that the power the consistency uh, being happy, sleeping because sleep's super tied to all these hormones and all this other stuff too. It's gonna, it, it's gonna figure it out. This is the Dean Gollich podcast. I was just gonna say, way, way, way back. I can always tell how long it's been because we did that episode, uh, like in Ellicottville, while like two day, the, the day before our wedding. That's right. In Dean, a coffee Dean shop. Dean Gollich was a big deal for us to get, and still would be if we ever got 100%. Dean Gollich back. Uh, but that's what he said. We asked him about power to weight, and he, you know, he has coached some very fast people. Uh, many Olympians, many Olympians, different sports. And he said, I don't really do power to weight. You know, I don't focus on the weight. It's, it'll come right. like, if you focus on the power, the rest will come in. And he said, you know, there's an assumption there that you're going to eat generally well. Uh, you know, there's, there's lots of other variables there, but he assumed if you were, you know, a cyclist and you biked most days and did what, you know, you followed your training plan, uh, things would start evolving that way. Yes. Uh, And then one more point about red ass real quick is just that uh, what we've kind of learned about it is like a lot of the time, it's not even necessarily that you aren't eating enough calories 
in total for the day, it's that you're eating them at the wrong time. So mm. your body actually isn't able to use them efficiently. So this is where the eating on the bike is so important because you can't make that up later. Mm. Like, yes, you can have a big meal later. And I, I know that's why a lot of people don't like to eat on the bike, especially that last hour, right? You're thinking about the post-race meal or whatever. Um, but your body can't use that as efficiently. So really, like, eating on the bike is the thing that avoids red ass. So yeah, that's, that's a great point. Yeah. That it's energy availability. So they sort of are looking at the number of hours in the day that you're at a deficit. So if you don't eat breakfast and train for five hours, then there's all those beginning hours of the day where your body hasn't got a positive, like you haven't ate anything, you know, took in an intake, a calorie, uh, but you've been burning a bunch. And so this is all these hours where there isn't anything available for the important things that your body has to do around, you know, thinking, mood, hormones, repair, uh, digestion, heartbeats, uh, nails, hair growth, you know, all these things that are also related to the signs and symptoms. Mm-hmm. Uh, right? Yeah, yeah. Perfect. And then uh, last word on on the bike is just drinking, obviously, also a very important component. Generally speaking, around a bottle an hour is sort of the average recommendation. It's a pretty good one. It's a pretty easy one. Sure. And I always say there's two types of bottles. There's a small one and a big one. And it's usually about one of those, between one of those. If it's hotter or you're working harder, it's probably closer to the big bottle. Uh, As the ride gets longer, it matters more, right? If it's a cyclocross race, you probably, you know, no one really carries bottles. And the hot ones, they do a little bit. I was going to say, even in short track, you are seeing more and more racers racing with bottles and taking a couple sips. Well, this is the tricky bit. And I think some of that might be that they're doing carbohydrate rinses or or actually swallowing the carbohydrate. But there's great research that even just the taste of carbohydrate is performance enhancing. Like you can actually spit the the water back out. You shouldn't do this excessively. And definitely not on a group ride. But I think if, you know, if you ever, I always think like if you're in a situation where your gut was just like going sideways and you could somehow tolerate that, I guess that would be a way to get through you know without doing it you know versus not doing anything uh but yeah i think that's probably is they're trying to just get the taste of carbohydrate in their mouth or if you're doing that and your gut's not happy it might actually just promote vomiting in which case it might actually make you feel better so either way win-win go and that's yeah i always joke it's somewhere between the bonking and the vomiting that's you know this is in ride fueling you don't want to be low energy you want your intervals to go uh a lot of the rides in the week should be like good or great uh, there, there can be some that you feel tired, right? Sunday after a big long ride Saturday, you're probably going to feel tired. And if that's expected in the plan, then that's expected. Uh, but if you're coming into your Tuesday, Wednesday, harder ride, long ride, your key ride, and you feel horrible and you felt horrible yesterday and you felt horrible on the weekend, then again, these are the signs we're looking for. Um, and, and they're not big, right? You can ignore them. You can push through or you can go home and explain it away. But those signs are the ones we're really looking for with this in-ride fueling. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Uh, and then before we wrap up post ride, um, you know, this is, <clears throat> there's kind of like a couple schools of thought on it. Some people think that there's, or basically everyone has like the, there's a window and whether the window is 30 minutes or 90 minutes is still kind of hotly debated. Um, our general rule is like, especially after just like a regular kind of bog standard weekday ride is just if you can time it so that your next meal is sometime in the hour and a half after your ride, fantastic. So for us, we usually have lunch after our rides. A lot Mm -hmm. of people, you know, you'd ride after work and then you'd have dinner. Um, But if that's not gonna be the case, just having a little something, some carbs, some protein, you know, we're not going completely wild here. It doesn't need to be a ton, Um, doesn't need to be a shake. It doesn't need to be 
you know, a special powder or anything. Sure. Um, just real simple, half a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, whatever, you're good. And, and I think you're right that the, the window thing is sort of debated now. And it's more just, it doesn't really matter because glycogen gets repleted sort of within that, say, 24 plus hours. And a lot of normal people, it doesn't really matter that much. Now, if you were competing in like a crit series, like back to back to back to back races or CrossFit games is like a good example, or, or there's multiple co- or track and field, there's multiple tra- competitions. In, in the day, uh, or you're like a Tour de France person where Obviously, totally different considerations. You know, they finish, I think, at like 6 p.m., but then they have to start the next day, right? So then you have to replete. So this is where you're doing probably like food at the end of the ride is important. Uh, the shake, uh, right off, like as they're riding to the bus in the Tour de France situation. Yeah, know, tour I'm, racers, they get a bottle at the line that has carbs and protein. They get in the bus and there's a lunchbox for them and they get back to the hotel and there's dinner. Right. Right, and then it's an eating probably still snacking, right? Um, so, so we're probably not doing that, but you might be at a stage race, or you might be. So that's where you need to increase that, right? Or, or you train. Maybe you did the weekly race on Wednesday, and but then you usually train in the morning, so you're back out Thursday, and so that might be again a place for something like a smoothie before bed because the late night week to week really race is tough. Um, and I usually just say that, you know, you can probably front load the calories in the day if you're training later in the day so that you're not eating as much after. And, and when Molly just mentioned this relative energy deficiency, it's all the carbs are, or all the calories, all the food is in, uh, or most of it is ahead of the ride during the ride. And then that way afterwards, you're not starving. You're not the person in your chamois in the kitchen gorging on a whole bag of chips before you go to bed or something. That tends to be my rule of thumb is like when you come in the door, are you capable of putting your bike away? taking your kid off, taking a shower, mm-hmm. and then having a snack? Or are you so desperate for food that you're going to eat in, in the kitchen in your chamois? Right, which is, I, I think I, I had forgotten about that rule, but at camps and stuff, we try and push that. It, it's sanitary as well. Uh, we don't want people to get sick. Um, no chamois in the kitchen. We don't want saddle sores. Uh, but it's also just, it, it, is, it tells you who has been running it too low in the camp, right? And it's those people you need to be pushing, like, hey, do you have six cliff bars in your pocket for this six-hour ride? Um you know, if not, what's the plan? Because we don't want you grumpy in the kitchen tomorrow and screaming mm-hmm. at us when we tell you not to be in the kitchen in your chamois. And we pretty much alluded to this before, but to your point about like the different kids and knowing which ones needed the more fuel, your your fueling considerations are going to be so different from the person next to you, even if you are the same height, weight, riding style, FTP, whatever. You just have different systems. So if you're someone who needs more snacks, do not feel bad about Mm -hmm. that. If you're someone who needs less snacks, also don't feel bad about that. Like Mm -hmm. figure out what works for you and stick to it. But like be trying to figure that out. Don't just be, you know, eating when your friend eats and assuming that that's like all you need to do. Do you think that it's a, it's probably a hard thing for some folks to like, they're saving the calories for like that big post ride. Oh, for sure. Snack. Right. And so it is a bit of a change in mindset that you are fueling the work required. You're fueling it during the ride before the ride. And, and part of that is that then also afterwards, you're not going to feel as hungry, as urgently hungry immediately coming in the door so you can shower, clean up. Um, but also hopefully just as the day goes on, you're not, you know, I think you would find that the sugar cravings, the dessert cravings and that sort of stuff is, is also curtailed. So I think it, it's very surprising how good you feel when you feel appropriately. And I only found this out like as we were coaching camps, I realized I couldn't afford to be the one bonking because I was the adult who was coaching. Mm -hmm. So I had to eat a lot on those camps and like just be like so hyper aware that I was eating enough and holy crap, did it make a difference? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And so it's, 
tricky, but I think that's the idea, right? Like if you, if you knew it was going to make you faster in a month, in a year, two years, right? I think you'd do it. So I think it's worth experimenting with if it's not something you've sort of played with or, or if there is room to experiment. Um, and again, take notes in your training log uh, and get help if you need to, right? We have, there's lots of sports nutritionists and RDs around. Uh, and we've had so many of them on the show. For sure. And if you need a referral, you know, we can certainly connect you with one of those. Perfect. All right. Let's leave it at that. Thank you so much for tuning in. Definitely hit us up over on consummateathlete.com or at consummateathlete on Instagram. If you have any questions or topics you'd like us to cover, we are starting to head into cross is coming territory. So definitely hit us with your cyclocross questions, maybe your late season gravel questions. Yeah. Keep them coming. All right. Thanks so much for tuning in. Don't forget to eat enough and have a great week. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. If you want to hear more training, racing, and endurance sport advice, make sure you subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating and review. You can also subscribe to our newsletter at consummateathlete.com for a weekly dose of inspiration and advice straight to your inbox. 